My name is Jack, and you're listening to the Dev90X podcast. It is day 20, the end of day 20, and I have a lot of things going on right now. So, just to get started, sickness update. Am I a little bit sick, medium sick, or fully sick? Uh, I'm going to say I'm still just a little bit sick. <laughs> the recovery has been going well, except for some reason, I just feel like I've had another dip. My energy has kind of come down a bit. Um, yesterday afternoon, I felt super tired and fatigued. And then weirdly, I couldn't sleep very well. So I don't know what's going on there, but I am still recovering. And uh, I think that drinking coffee this whole time probably didn't help, except I didn't want to <laughs> stop working and I felt like I would crash really, really hard if I just went cold turkey, as that is usually what happens to me when I stop drinking coffee cold turkey. So I didn't. And now I guess I'm kind of paying for that. Jack's hack for the day is this is something that probably a lot of people do, but I found it so useful that I wanted to, I wanted to dub it my hack for day 20. And that is when I'm researching or learning something new, I use Google's people also ask thing a lot. In the search results, you can search things and then Google's got this little block that's like people also ask and then it's a bunch of different search terms. And I found this to be really helpful for just getting the snippets of the definitions of things, like defining things, what things are, just micro explanations of things. I find this is one of the fastest way to get just a quick overview of something. For example, you know, uh, there was this keyword that kept coming up in Swift called lazy. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? Lazy. And so I quickly Google searched, what does lazy mean Swift? And then it's got people also ask and it's, it's got variations of, you know, what does lazy mean in Swift? Like people ask that exact same question in a number of different ways. And those snippets are different. So you can get a really quick two to three different snippet explanation of that, that same thing. And yeah, basically it's like lazy loading, which I already kind of understand that concept. So that's cool. But also you get, you get things that you're not aware of in that, that little block as well. So people who are like further down the, ch the chain of asking questions, their Google searches come up in that block as well. And so you can see, you can like see down, you can see into the future of the unknown in a way. You know there's more questions coming, there's more unknowns, and you don't know what they are yet, but you can kind of you can kind of see them. Like Google's really good at showing these things. And if you keep this is the other trick. Like you gotta keep pressing the the down arrows so that it keeps generating more people also ask boxes. Uh, as that just keeps like going further down and, and opening up more questions that you could also be potentially Googling. So yeah, that's my little trick for today. It's a super helpful one. All right, progress update. So I was writing a bunch of dot points yesterday as I was just getting deep into the code. I think this is a good strategy for me right now. I've got 
six or seven different projects in Xcode that I've kind of got from around the internet. You know, there's some uh, there's some from Apple, there's some from GitHub, there's some from tutorial files, uh, and of course, I've made a few myself. And so I'm starting to get a bit of an understanding around structure, design patterns. Uh, yeah, all the different things that I have no experience or awareness of yet. Yeah, they're slowly, slowly coming together. So, so yesterday I had a lot of dot points, of just random questions about code, about keywords. You know, you have stuff like underscores. What do underscores do in Swift? They come before variable names sometimes, but I also saw them in between numbers. So I found out that underscores can be used in place of commas in numbers to make them more readable. So that's cool, easy one. Lazy is like lazy loading code. So coming from internet browser world, when you lazy load elements on the page, they don't load until they come into the view. Uh, and it just makes the view faster to load. Uh, first contentful paint is called. Uh, and time to interactive. So same concept. They just use this lazy keyword. Apparently, yeah, you should use it sparingly, though. Something to do with how it runs on different threads and, I don't know, more of a computer science-y thing. One thing I like about Xcode is that it gives you real-time errors, which you don't get working in a text editor like VS Code. Usually you have to run the code in the browser and then you get your errors. VS Code has some nice add-ons where you can, you know, live server, for example, and then autosave means that it's constantly like refreshing your page and that you kind of get real-time errors. Um, but Xcode just has that feature built into it. Uh, what else? We've got extensions. So you can extend on classes, adding new functions to extend the functionality. You can't add new variables to extensions, but you can add functions. And they use the same name as the class. Delegates. What are delegates? Still don't really understand, except you have like app delegate and uh, view, view delegate. Anyway, you have different Swift files that are called the delegate files, and they perform a particular function that's core to your app. That's all I know about delegates right now. Override. What does the override keyword do? No idea. Still don't know. Why are so many tutorials broken? So this is a question that I've been wondering about for a little bit, which is that so many you know, GitHub projects and tutorial project files just don't build. You download them, you open them up in Xcode, and they're just full of errors. They just don't build. And you're just thinking, like, what? Like, why would people be shipping tutorial project files that don't even work. And the reason is, interestingly, so this is something that is interesting to compare with web technology, which is that Apple, while recently Swift went open source, the programming language Swift, it did go open source, but Apple was developing it privately for many, many years. And when they would release updates, they would, they would release language-breaking updates. So the, the new update would break old Swift apps. And so you'd have to rebuild your, your Swift apps to take advantage of the new code. 
And that is why a lot of tutorials and a lot of old apps on GitHub just don't build. So that was kind of interesting to, to learn that. Also kind of annoying. I mean, JavaScript doesn't do that. JavaScript does not break the internet when they create new uh, features in JavaScript. So that's an interesting comparison. Uh, so a lot of syntax things. You know, you're like private variables, public variables. You got um, protocol declaration, which is kind of, kind of like uh, structure, kind of like a class. Don't really understand the complete difference between it, but I know that protocol-oriented programming is a thing. So that that's something that I can learn about. Naming conventions are important, apparently, in Swift. So when it's like a uh, camel case, for example, where you have like the first word is starting with a lowercase letter and then the second word is uppercase letter, stuff like that. Um, but they also have another convention where you start the first word with a capital and the second word with a capital as well. Apparently, they're important for uh, naming certain, certain things, either variables or classes or protocols. I'm not sure exactly on the nuances, but it's just something that I am now aware of. So that's cool. Um, MVC, Model View Controller. So this is a design pattern that explains most of the, the way that different Xcode projects are structured. So you've got a whole bunch of Swift, .swift files and collectively together they make your app and, and they run your app. What I find interesting is that so far I haven't fi figured out how they all stitch together and how like the order of the code is run. I'm still, that's still a giant question mark in my mind. Because in web technology, you would put, you would tell the browser where to run the script um, using a script tag. So JavaScript would run, you know, it like goes, uh, it, it processes the code top to bottom. And then when it hits the script tags, it'll run that script. And you can figure out the order in, in which code is run based on where you put your script tags in the HTML. Uh, so far, it doesn't really look like it does that. I mean, when it compiles the code, I guess it compiles. It, it must do it behind the scenes in Xcode. That's that's all I know. But the model view controller is the predominant design pattern that Apple seems to be pushing. And I guess the way that I'm understanding this right now is it's probably so. In web, you have HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And HTML is like your view. It's the elements that get rendered onto the page. CSS is the styling. It's how those elements look. And JavaScript is the behavior. It's how all of the elements behave. So with MVC, model view controller, I would imagine controller is kind of like JavaScript, except it's all in Swift. Everything's in Swift, so it's all one language but it's just how you structure the different files. So you have controller files, you have view files, and I suppose you have model files as well. Um, I don't know, <laughs> they're, all, they're all .swift. But yeah, so controller, JavaScript, view, CSS, model, HTML. That is my very, very, very basic understanding of model view controller right now as an analogy to web development because that's all I really understand. 
uh, what else? Okay, so I was, I was yesterday my strategy was that I'm, I was going to do more tutorials, I was going to work on my Udemy course and that didn't happen because my strategy is also to continue making progress. And I have been start, starting the day, yesterday and today, just working on the app, just thinking, all right, what do I need to do to progress? And the easiest thing is actually that I just get a boilerplate template app. See, at this point, I'm set up in Xcode. I'm able to build apps on my iPad. And uh, I'm able to kind of like play around and tinker with things. And I'm, sort, I'm starting to do that. I'm starting to tinker and play around with things. I spent a lot of time yesterday just reading code from other apps and just trying to understand the code and understand how it works, how it all fits together. Because that still is a major thing for me to learn. But I was wondering, like, why, why are there no good boilerplate apps that just enable you to kind of plug in your machine learning models and just test them out? I mean, it seems like, especially with the, the new activity models and the new, yeah, yeah, like the vision APIs and all this new stuff from last year, you would think that Apple would release some easier, more user-friendly boilerplate template apps where you can just train your activity recognizer and just plug it straight into the template and just load it up on your iPhone and there you go. It's printing, it's what it's reading to the screen. That would be, I mean, to me, that, that sounds like something that would be very useful. And as I was like, why aren't there any of these? But then I was like, man, surely, surely there are. And I, I Googled it and I found one that's not from Apple, but it's really, really close to what I want. It's called Yoga Vision and it does activity readings on two different yoga poses. And it's very simple, very, very simple, pretty much exactly what I need. And so this, this is what, I, what I'm doing now. I'm basically starting with this as my template. So I built it on my iPad and it works, which is awesome. I also discovered that you can only, on the free development tier, if you're not paying for Apple's development um, program, you can only have three apps on your device for free. That's the free tier, three apps. So I had to delete some apps that I had and then rebuilt it, got it working. But the problem is that this app is, it's a very simple app, right? It's not really, you know, it's not like production level. It's not made for the, the app store. Um, it's just an example of the tech. It's not built for iPad and the UI just, it doesn't work. It's, it's all sandwiched up against the left side of the screen. It's trying to use the camera API and it's like full screening it, but I'm only getting like 20% of the actual camera view and it's not using the front facing camera, it's using the back facing camera. But I just, you know, I had it on my iPad and I was like, all right, this is my development environment. Cool, cool. Um, and this is what I'm working with. I'm working with an iPad. And I was like, maybe I can just fix the UI up and, and get it working nicely on the iPad. But then we'll, it'll be built for iPad and not iPhone. And I'm not building it for iPad. Ultimately, I'm building it for iPhone. So it got me thinking, I need an iPhone. And I guess it's that time. If you're going <laughs> to build iPhone apps, you should probably have one. So that is, that is where I'm at right now. 
uh, I think I'm going to buy an iPhone. I think I'm just going to have to fork out, fork out the dollars and go and get one. I have a few different options. The annoying thing about iPhones or any iOS stuff uh, when you live in Indonesia is that first of all, there's scams everywhere. That's annoying. Second of all, it's like a hot item for theft. That's really annoying because, yeah, I mean, people get their phones stolen here in Bali all the time. And uh, third of all, when you buy or even bring in uh, iOS devices, Apple devices, Indonesia wants you to pay tax on them. So if you buy them here, that you already pay the tax. It's factored into the price. So prices are just ridiculous. Like the new iPhone 12 is like 1400 US dollars here when in the States it's like uh, 999 or something like that. So like $400 tax premium on it. And they also set up this blocking mechanism with the telecom provider, telecom cell, where if you haven't paid your tax, then your phone will not accept a SIM card on the network. So you need to pay, your t pay the tax on the device to get the IMEI number unblocked by the telecom provider. So they block all the IMEIs until you pay the tax. And apparently there's a way to hack around it, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So I was waiting for the new iPhone to come out because I was like, yep, I'm going to move into the, into the ecosystem fully. I'm currently rocking a Samsung Galaxy S9 from 2018. And I mean, it's about time. <laughs> it is about time to get a new phone. Also, this model only has 64 gigabytes of memory and I've been deleting stuff and memory juggling for months and months. So I'm about ready to upgrade. So it's definitely time, definitely time. I was being patient, but now I'm not sure if I can be any more patient because that's still a couple months away, the, the new iPhones. And that's like the end of my challenge and I gotta get this stuff done. So I'm not sure if I can wait anymore. This is what I'm dealing with, ladies and gentlemen. This is what I am dealing with. Expensive expenses, just so that I can continue progressing without, without huge delays and without major inconveniences. Um, so other than that, I don't have much else to update. I skipped a few of my dot points because there was a lot of just random code questions. What's an optional? What's nil? What's structures? <laughs> uh, and yeah, I can't really understand the code yet. I can, I can understand JavaScript pretty well, but I can't understand Swift very well yet. So I still have just, I still just need to just stay in this place for a while and just have these question marks just painfully embedding them in my mind until I get it, until things start to click. Uh, what's delegates? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, all right, that's day 20. Life update, not much to say. Same routine, same diet, no workouts this week. Uh, yeah, same diet, keto. I found last night I went to my favorite cafe, Motion Cafe, here in Chengdu, and I had a new keto dessert, which was a smoothie. It had blueberries, coconut milk, flaxseed, and wait, is that it? Oh, and avocado. Yeah. Blueberries, avocado, coconut milk, flaxseed. Really not sweet at all, but 
delicious. Blueberries are just so delicious. And when you've been on keto for a while, anything slightly sweet like blueberries just tastes so good. It's insane. So I really enjoyed that. All right, that's it for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. I will talk to you again tomorrow.